You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is the Roof English podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thank you very much for your time. And today I want to go right back to the very end of the 1990s when something happened for the first time in Reykjavik, which is still running. It is going, as they say, from strength to strength. Not even COVID could stop Iceland airwaves. Let's get into all of this and the latest success for the Iceland Airwaves Festival with Isi Thorhalsen, who is the festival manager at Airwaves. Isi, thanks very much for your time. Welcome to the Roof English podcast. Let's start with the good news first. Let's start with the award which Iceland Airwaves picked up in the last couple of weeks. Congratulations, firstly, on that. Tell me what you thank want. Thank you. Yeah, th thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. So we won Best Indoor Festival in Europe, which we are really proud of. We're not really expecting that. Mm. And uh, yeah, other awards getting, the other festivals getting awards were like Roskilde and, and much, much bigger festivals. So it's yeah. really nice for us. Uh, all the hard work we put in this since we took over five years ago is uh, paying off, which is really nice for us and the staff yeah. and everybody. Well, congratulations. I think anyone that's been to Airwaves will recognize that it is richly deserved. And it is, of course, the award for the best indoor festival. Uh, the point, uh, one of the points of Airwaves, I suppose, is that it makes use of existing venues across the city. This is not 100,000 people standing in a field, not least because if that happened in Iceland in, in the autumn, it would be pretty cold apart from anything else, wouldn't it? Yes, I think uh, <laughs> the, the, there are a number of things that make Airwaves really unique and special. And I mean, the, the biggest things are, of course, just the phenomenon that is Icelandic music. I mean, no one understands how a population of 360,000 people can produce all these amazing artists. And, mm. and every year there is so much music coming out and new bands. It's just crazy. And I'm always getting asked this question, what, how does this happen and how is this done? And I don't really have an answer. And then the other thing is just Reykjavik, the city, downtown yeah. Reykjavik yeah. is very unique. And the fact that we are taking over existing venues for for the festival, very different venues, very close to each other. And the Airways experience really is running between those venues in downtown Reykjavik and discovering mm. music, meeting people while you're running between the venues, getting recommendations, stuff like that. So, and the venues are so different. It goes from an art museum to a church, to a small yeah. little bar, it's like you, you have everything. And it's very unique. It reminds me a little bit of the Edinburgh Festival, and Edinburgh is a city that I've lived in and worked in for many years. The Edinburgh Festival, the world's biggest arts festival, but it makes use of all sorts of buildings. All kinds of places are turned into venues. Yeah. I think on one occasion, someone's car was used as a, as a venue for a performance. I don't know whether you've gone to that extreme, but it sounds like it's the same, the same kind of spirit. You make use of what's available. It's absolutely like that. We make use what is available. And I, I think probably we're going to have to be a little bit creative moving forward. I mean, we were sold out last year. So maybe we have to look into uh, adding capacity and adding some spaces and venue. Mm. And I mean, the sad thing is that the venues in downtown Reykjavik that can handle concerts are, the number of them is not really increasing. It's decreasing, if anything. They're being turned into sports bars and hotels and stuff like that. So I'm sure that we will have to start getting creative about finding spaces mm. and venues downtown. Well, I want to talk about this year's 
festival in a few moments time but first i want to go back to something that you said a few moments ago you've been asked countless times why it is you think that such a, a small country in terms of its population can create so much music and create so many musical artists famously i think something like one in ten of the icelandic population are also authors they've written a book is it just a very creative population is it as simple as that <laughs> Yes, I think so. I think you can all have all kinds of theories and everything. And I think many of the answers probably are a little bit of cliches, but they might be true. I think the nature of Iceland, the surroundings, being in an island, it's dark and cold for nine months of the year. I mean, you literally just have to do something <laughs> to, to be okay over here during the winter. I think the smallness is part of it. It's... it's uh, Everybody, everybody is so close to each other. Everybody knows each other. I think the Icelandic community is like extremely tight. Mm. I mean, it's always a challenge when we program airwaves, taking into consideration the fact that the people who are in, in the band are in many other bands. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so when, when you're programming it and putting this class together, that is always an issue. <laughs> to, to avoid all the classes, because if you're in a band, you're in two other bands. Uh, so it's a very tight community. It's yeah. it's it's easy to enter it. Uh, it's easy to become a part of it. I think you're well received. I think uh, there is much more cooperation than competition. It's all like friends, and and we're all in it kind of together. I think, and we we stick together and stand together. Yeah, I love and the then, idea of having to to program bands according to availability according yeah. to which member it's, is in yeah. which other band i, I didn't <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't realize until about three weeks ago that the uh, the drummer in hattari who of course with the eurovision entry a few years ago is also in vuk um, yeah it's not that the same names keep popping up it is that there is such creativity around that i guess yeah. musicians don't want to limit themselves to one band in many cases yeah exactly and then you just it's also just kind of probably a matter of survival. If you want to like make a living of being a musician in Iceland and all that, you kind of have to be maybe all over the place and be creative and hardworking and everything. And yeah, I mean, we, we've had situations where like a, a person is in four or five bands <laughs> and it's like a challenge to program that. So yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a funny thing we, uh, we have each year. And then, not... then I, 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 and I know it's kind of a cliche, but I think it is some part of the mentality like, Icelanders always think they can do everything. They just, I want to be a musician. I want to write a book. I want to make a movie. And then just like, yeah, let's do it. There's nothing stopping us. And, and, um, and, and that, that mentality has gotten us in trouble too, but uh, it's kind of cute. It is beneficial though, isn't it? Because it leads to something that shows the creativity of the nation like airwaves. I've been struck by this for for a while that long before Iceland became quite the tourist destination that it has been in recent years, airwaves was still attracting big international acts. And some of the reviews for 2022, for example, from the NME, one of the most idiosyncratic festivals in the world, Rolling Stone, an essential trip for music lovers across the continent. It's been well known, not just within Iceland, but internationally for a long time, hasn't it? Yes. Uh, Iceland Airways has been around for probably almost like 25 years. Uh, it was the 20th birthday when we took it over in 2018, if I remember correctly. We managed to do it twice before COVID. Then we just did streaming and then we did it now. So I think it's been done like 23 times. And uh, 
like you said, the airways was started basically by Iceland Air before Iceland became such a popular tourist destination with the specific purpose of attracting people to Iceland. It's literally like an airline just coming up with something mm. to have something to promote and sell to Iceland. And I mean, the other other fundamental purpose of the festival is prom to promote Icelandic music abroad, to get the spotlight of the industry of the world to Iceland once a year. And uh, yeah, I mean, mm. I Iceland Air owned the brand until uh, we took it over five years yes. ago and they're still like a founding sponsor. And, and that's how it started. It started as a thing to attract people to Iceland and, and get awareness to, to Iceland. And it has just worked out incredibly well. Mm. It's now like a really well-known and respected brand all around the world. And it has such a great reputation for showcasing up-and-coming foreign bands and all the best bands in Iceland that the festival has this trust of both the public and the industry. Like if a band is on stage in, I I I in Iceland Airways, it, it basically got through an application of a million bands. So even if you... Even if you haven't heard of the band, you can trust that there is something good happening with the band. Yeah. And it's great to have that trust. It's always felt like a festival that has been in the hands of people who love music and people who want to curate the best possible festival that they can. And that, I think, is something that still comes through very clearly. You've also got a kind of trade fair element to this in that you run the Icelandic Airwaves conferences as well panels there are keynote addresses there's a chance to network so for the industry it's important as well i guess and just a word on that because it does bring people from the industry together as well doesn't it i just want to go back to what you said that the that the it shines through that the festival is run on passion that is so true because financially it doesn't really make any sense to do this festival <laughs> <laughs> So this is uh, not the license uh, I, to print money that some of us no, expected. No, no, no. And it has gotten into financial trouble and everything. And now it's part of our company, which is a bigger company. We're doing shows all the time. And that is really the only way to make it work. It's just to have it within a company that is doing shows all the time. It couldn't like function as a standalone operation. And then we have to have the grants from Reykjavik City and all the sponsors and everything. I always joke that if, <laughs> if Iceland Airways didn't exist and someone came to me with the idea of doing like Let's let's do a festival downtown, take over like six venues and have like a hundred bands playing for three days. I would be like, no thanks. No. <laughs> that, that sounds absolutely insane. Doesn't make any sense. Especially but, uh, if you said, and when do you want to do it? Oh, November. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you do it in November, it's like you're like, you sound crazy. <laughs> that is the worst idea ever. Let's but, look ahead uh, then this year to to this November, the second yeah. to the fourth is when it takes place. Now we're sitting here in well, the, the very early part of February. And how much of the lineup is confirmed anything yet do you know where you're going to be in in november so we have just started making the first offers for the bands we have a very very long list of really great acts to consider we are getting bombarded by agents all around the world i after this i mean the brand is so well known it's so strong and respected and everything and then after the success of last year's festival which was sold out and got all these incredible reviews, it's been kind of taken up by a level. So I think uh, if any agent has an up and coming band and they're trying to 
spotlight it and promote it, it seems to just be on their to-do list to try and get the band into Iceland Airways. So we're really getting bombarded, which is great. So we have a really long list and we're, we have now chosen which bands we would like to confirm first and be part of the first announcement. And the first announcement should be somewhere around February 20. Then we'll announce the first batch of bands and it's shaping up to be a really great first announcement. Now, someone might be listening to this anywhere in the world thinking, I want to play, I want to get my band to play at airwaves in 2023 so this is the right kind of time to i don't want to add to your workload here but this is the right time <laughs> the right time to be approaching no, no. you is it <laughs> don't worry about the workload yeah so <laughs> I, I didn't mention like one thing is the bands who have an agent and are, are like already within the industry but then we're really open for bands who aren't even there yet mm -hmm. so we have an application form on our website it's open and bands and the applications are started to fly in and it's pretty amazing to see that coming in band from all over the world. And, and a lot of it looks really good. So that that's open now on the website. Just go on the website and apply to play. That's icelandairwaves.is. Yes. Did COVID slow things down? Uh, obviously, live music, live theatrical events, cinemas, anything that required people to get together in close proximity to each other was pretty much wiped out and, and some events never recovered. Some events did not return. How much damage did the pandemic do? So, I mean, it just froze everything for almost two years. I mean, our, our entire live industry kind of was just torn apart and thrown up in the air and it really, really hasn't landed yet. I think that, and it's a global situation where the live industry is in bad shape. It, it hasn't recovered. And uh, I think the big problem with the live industry is just ticket sales and the behavior of the buyer. Mm -hmm. If we thought that there would be like huge pent up demand and everybody would go crazy and, and they would buy like tickets like never before, that really hasn't happened. Uh, of course, there were a lot of events after we got out of COVID and people were like overloaded just going to the events where they had held on to the tickets for like three years. Mm. But when we got through that, uh, sales are down and weak and unpredictable. And, you know, and then all, all the problems in the world with the war and people are worried and, and people have left the industry and prices have gone up and everything. So just the live industry is in a, still kind of dealing with the aftermath of mm. it. For Iceland Airways, we had a, basically a festival ready that we couldn't do. So we were had to move it and move it and move it. Um, I, I think the good thing about, the really positive thing about COVID is the live industry really stuck together, I would say. All the artists, all the agents, everyone was like, we're in this together. No one is creating trouble. No one is being difficult. There are no penalties or anything. It was just like, Whatever it says in the contract, let's figure this out together. We, we were kind of able for Iceland Airways to kind of keep all the bands that we had booked and just move the lineup. And, and everybody was really understanding about that. Mm. Uh, and then we, uh, we started doing streaming. So we did a streaming festival the first year of COVID where there were absolutely no audiences. And I think we did it in a really nice way. We actually took over the venues we use usually, and we put up shows with Icelandic bands mm. just without the audience. So you, you got that airways feeling because we were in the same venues. We were downtown. It was bittersweet for the staff and the bands yeah. to come, come together and play for empty venues. 
And it was the first time everybody had done anything for a long time. And it was like really bittersweet. It was amazing, but it was also kind of strange, strange and emotional for everybody. And uh, I mean, we were able to put together a really amazing lineup because uh, all the Icelandic big artists were stuck in Iceland. So we had like yeah. Ole Arnald, some Monsters and Man, Ausgave, like everybody was in Iceland, really happy to do it. And then we did the hybrid festival the last year. We were able to let in a few audiences. But then the, this year we could probably do like a proper festival. It was just straining like emotionally and financially and just really difficult yeah. and all the uncertainty. So it was just really difficult two years. Yeah, I remember listening in the UK at the height or maybe the depths is a better way to put it of the pandemic when um, Vikinger Olofsson was the artist in residence for a, a BBC radio station and he was playing in Harpa on his own live on the BBC across the UK and it was beautiful and it was also eerie as well in the way that I think you've described what, what Airwaves had yeah. to do. But it sounds though as if this year is going to be not a return to form because that implies the last two years weren't on form but more of a return to the traditional airwaves model maybe even bigger and better than ever before um yes i mean like i said this last year's festival was our third festival and it was basically a continuation of the work and the strategy and everything kind of the decision when we made when we took it over in 2018 and the basic strategy was going back to the roots, finding again, like the core of airwaves. And it doesn't mean that you have to have like five days or you have to chase big bands or you have to have big shows. I mean, the core of Iceland Airways is being downtown in those venues. They're not that big, but they're so charming and different. Mm. They're close to each other. They're all in walking distance with each other. And it is about music discovery, I think. And it is like for, for three, four days a year, we have the attention and the trust of the people and they're open to listening to anything. <laughs> and and you, you have bands breaking out during Iceland Airways that no one has ever heard about mm. before. And you have all, you have people getting excited about all kinds of events, like a, a harmonic player from Finland or, or something that under normal circumstances, they wouldn't be listening to it. Yeah, but like yeah. we have the trust and attention and they get excited about it. Can you give me an example amazing. of an artist that's broken out then from airwaves that might be internationally familiar now who, you know, who really did start at the festival? I mean, for basically you can say for all Icelandic artists that have broken through abroad, Iceland Airways was part of that journey, mm. like literally mm. every single band. It's essential. So, well, it? it is absolutely essential. It's always part of the journey. It's either like what propelled them or at least it was part of their journey. It like yeah. that's all the bands like of Monsters and Man, Kalio, Ole Arnalds, Auske, whoever it is, work, whoever has made the broth, it's always part, part of their journey. And uh, and yeah, and, and like we like I was saying, we just we went back to the core, and we kind of just took it all the way this year. Like we went from four days to three days. We went from like a hundred and something back to like seventy, eighty. The venues went down a little bit, but it's just like it's not necessarily bigger is better or more is better. It's just like three days of music, and it's like awesome music, awesome bands. If you got into Iceland Airways, you were picked from a million, million mm. bands. Mm. 
And I think people appreciated the festival being three days instead of four. Yeah. It's like you're you're not like dying at the end of it. You're like you're <laughs> still happy. You're still happy, kind of asking for more, and we like that. All the days are just even. It's not mm-hmm. like all the biggest bands are on Saturday or something. Like just have three days. They're even. They're all great. Well, we've mentioned Verk a couple of times, so we'll play out with a track from their latest album in just a couple of minutes. But another way to get to, another way to be involved in Airwaves, we should say, is that you can apply to be a volunteer as well. You can help out. You presumably get access to a lot of the concerts, a lot of the gigs as you work on them. What's the volunteering experience like at Airwaves? Yeah, I I think the volunteers have a great time. I, I think they... They always enjoy being part of the team and being part of the festival, and it's an adventure for them. We Most of them come from abroad, many come again and again, and I, I think it's a good experience. So it's pretty popular to become a volunteer. Those applications are also open now. The website is icelandairwaves.is. The deadline, I think, 15th of June. If you want to apply to play internationally or within Iceland, you can also, as we've said, apply to be a volunteer as well. Uh, Isi, thank you very much for your time. Congratulations again um, on the award and uh, a busy year ahead for you. We'll let you get back to it. Thank you very much. That's Islifer Thorhalsen, uh, the head of the festival, the award-winning festival, Iceland Airwaves, now getting close to its 25th year. This is the Ruv English podcast. Get in touch anytime. Uh, by email, english at ruv.is. And as promised, we play out today with a song from Vuk. Drive me crazy I'm caught in your headlights My heart is doing 80 I think you make me high Let me put on cruise control You know I'm on the road I can help it If I wanna fly Stop me
you are listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.